Are you having a hard time finding a good book to read about Twin Peaks? Did you finish binge-watching Twin Peaks in quarantine, and now you're looking for more? If so, we have the book for you. Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book. Based off the popular show from the 1990s, read about the making of each episode from over 100 cast and crew members. This book covers Season 1, Season 2, Firewalk With Me, and Season 3. But wait, there's more! This book has commentary from the community and the host from the wildly popular podcast Twin Peaks Unwrapped. Order now! Supplies are very limited. Only $25.99 plus shipping and handling. Go to bluerosemag.com today. Welcome to this week's edition of Twin Peaks Unwrapped. Hi, Brian. Hey, Ben. I'm your host, Brian Kazaska. Beside me, Ben Durant. And we're going to discuss episode one. All right. Episode one. We did the pilot. Now, episode one. It's confusing. I get confused because I always want to call this episode two. Right. Even in my notes, I'm confused. I, I actually got so confused on people's names I wish I had to go back and change names because I thought for the longest time that was their name. Oh, no. That's how confused I get oh, with this man. show sometimes. But it's good to be back. I hope everybody is enjoying the show. Uh, I hope you, everybody watched episode one because we're going to dive in. We're gonna, we have t- t- I have a lot, a lot of questions for episode well, one. Well, I'll start off with just saying uh, episode one was written by Mark Frost and David Lynch, directed by Dwayne Dunham. Uh, it aired Thursday, April twelfth, and in the regular time slot that would be for the rest of the season, except for the, the final episode, it was from nine to ten. So the Thursday time slot nine to ten was when it aired. Up against it, Cheers. Uh huh. You're right. It was. It was, it was totally <laughs> up against Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. And the ratings uh, for that week's episode was sixteen point two. That was the rating, and that was thirteenth place for the week. So if you the pilot on that Sunday, that past Sunday was fifth place, and now they're uh, for the next week they're in thirteenth place. That's wow. still, I mean, that's a big not, drop. It's a drop, but it's not that far away from the top ten. I mean, uh, you yeah, know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just creeping up. You know what it is though? You had all those people who were like, "Let's check this out," and then it was just like, oh, "Okay." Uh, the doctor with the corks in his ears and all this <laughs> yeah, weird stuff. Yeah. yeah, and the core audience. I mean, the show just kind of weans, and you know, the people who are really into it are going to stick with it, and the people who are like, "Eh, Cheers is better." <laughs> You're gonna watch Cheers. I don't have, I don't have to think. And, and <laughs> exactly, you don't have to think. You just watch Cheers. So you know, the f- interesting thing about this um, about the director, uh, uh, Dwayne. Dwayne Dunham, he actually is the editor of the pilot, and he actually was the editor for David Lynch. He actually edited Blue Velvet, which I think was in '86. Uh, so he, 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 
What happened was is that David Lynch wanted him to direct his next movie, West, uh, Wild at Heart. Okay. And he said, "Oh, well, you know, will you uh, will you direct? I mean, will you edit? I'm sorry, ed- will you edit my movie?" And he said, I- "I've got another project. I'm I'm editing a whole nother movie and stuff." Mm-hmm. And and David Lynch is like, "Well, how can I convince you to, uh, to 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 do to do my movie?" And Dwayne is like, "Well, if there was a way that I could be a director, you know, if, if you know that would be a different thing. It'd be a you know if I, if I could." be a director for something and then I'd, I'd be willing to pass on this project I'm doing and do edit your movie. Yeah. So David Lynch says, hey, we just got we got picked up to do our TV series now, Twin Peaks. I'll let you dire- I'll let you direct the first episode. Wow. And he says, yes. And the good thing and the way he puts it, uh, Dwayne puts it, is that you know, it was a long time between uh, them doing the pilot, where I, which I talked about in the last episode, where they, they did the pilot in 89, uh, February of 89. A year went by before they actually aired it. But it was a long time, I want to say, uh, yeah, it was, it was probably at least the, the summer, it was probably this, maybe the fall when they actually started getting around to doing the, the episodes. Show, I yeah. should know better. But anyways, he, he, his thinking was, hey, as the editor who I've known, I know this footage so well from the, from, from editing the, the pilot. Who better to come in there and remind the actors how they, they should perform and how to actually film it? And, and he, he felt he could bring a good, he could really kind of shape the direction of the show. Because yeah, he already, yeah. he kind of, and he knows David Lynch. He's already worked with David Lynch. So he knew David's style is very, like, it's not a lot of moving around. You kind of, like, almost have static shots. And, and, and the way David Lynch looks at it is, like, he, he was a painter before he was um, a, a film director. So he yeah. kind of, like, thinks of... I- images as still pictures, even though it's film and you have yeah, au- you have yeah. audio and you have, uh, film and stuff like that. So I think that was interesting. And you know, I, I meant to mention our, in our our episode zero that you know Twin Peaks for me was like actually how I fell in love with film and television. And mm-hmm. it, it was kind of the direction I really realized I wanted to be in that in some way. I mean, I when I, when I was going to college, I thought, well, maybe I'll go to L.A. and I wanted to be an editor. So I thought about, oh, yep. wouldn't that be so cool? And it was it was David Lynch's work that really inspired me. And That's I ended cool. up doing media. I mean, I'm, I'm in the media field. I'm not yeah. I'm not a director or editor <laughs> or anything. But it was still, it was like... Podcaster now. You can, <laughs> I can add that to my resume. <laughs> yeah, Podcaster. But I found that really interesting to have an editor who, who did the pilot come in and direct the first episode. That's really cool. And yeah. that's nice of him to like, hey, yeah, you can do that. Yeah. That shows faith because it's like his baby in a way. Right. So and it's the sh- first episode. I mean, like, you're, you're, you're really worried, like, are we going in the right direction with the rest of the series and stuff? But yeah. I think he did a great job with it. And it explains when I watched it how I felt everybody did look a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, I mean a year older, but right. I mean you look at Audrey. And her hair it. was, I think, a lot shorter in the pilot, and she looked a little different. I yeah. Mean, yeah, I noticed the difference in people. <clears throat> um, even as the show progresses, they kind of change slight, slightly. But I'm also watching it in a faster pace. Where when it aired, you had to wait a whole week and you'd forget. Um, so episode one, in my notes, now. We we were left thinking Leo could be the killer, um, but in this episode, Mrs. Horn. Now I wrote Mrs. Horn question mark. Who is Mrs. Horn? Mrs. Horn is uh, is Benjamin Horn's Ben Horn's wife and Audrey's uh, mother. Aud- oh, Audrey's mother. Yep. And and do we see? Do we meet Johnny? I think have we met Johnny yet? 
I don't know. We well, I can't um, remember if we meet Johnny, but Johnny is Audrey's Johnny's uh, oh, uh, brother there. Brother, yes. And he oh, that's that's what I wanted to say. Her brother is mentally challenged. Yes. And something yeah, there's definitely something uh, yeah. I didn't it. get it until later on because they just cut to him doing something very bizarre. I think Native he had, American maybe? It was he wearing his was he wearing anything? I can't remember. Yes, he was, and he was, at least he was banging his head into like a dollhouse. Dollhouse, or yeah. And I was just like, "What?" But they don't tell you. See, I also find uh, good writing when they don't explain things to you. You have to right. figure it out on your own. I love that. I hate when a show beats it into yeah. you. And they cut to that scene, and I'm like, what? And later right. on, I figure, okay, that's her brother. And Audrey briefly, I mean, so Audrey meets uh, Cooper at, at breakfast, and she does briefly mention that her brother has... I'll say mentally problems, and I think yeah. she says that runs in the family, which is kind of funny she would say that. It's like... Do you not realize that that could mean that you you might, you might have problems too? But uh, and she kind of does. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say right now that like as as a fifteen year old boy that she was like the most beautiful woman ever? Like I, yes, she she's like, very good looking. Yeah, she's, uh, okay. And it's funny because we're watching. I'm watching the show with my girlfriend, and I go on IMDb because I have to remember all the names. Oh, yeah. So I go to IMDb to get names, and I go, "Oh my god, she's fifty now." Oh yeah, and I showed Allison. I go, and Allison's like, she's still pretty. She is she's still, still beautiful. Still like, beautiful. But she's yeah. fifty, and that's where you're. Twenty five like, years later. Oh my I god! Think about it. Twenty five years later. Yeah. And I forget the show's that old. Yeah. When I'm watching it, I get I'm into it, and I forget. And it is, it's kind of a timeless period because there is like they have kind of a sometimes they have a fifties feel to them and they have they have yeah, like, a, yeah. like a mix they have some 90s they have some 50s they have like it's a, ambiguous a, it's ambiguous yeah it's you don't of, know right and like the music they have this jazz music so it's like it's a combination of all kinds of stuff which kind of makes it timeless in some ways yeah yeah I, so you know at the beginning of this episode uh, Dale Cooper he's uh, hanging upside down I guess he's doing his exercises and he goes and he talks to Diane and he says uh, Diane yes see if I can find it um he says, "What really? Go- what's really going on between Marilyn Monroe and the Kennedys? And who pulled the trigger on JFK?" And so he makes that reference. I, mean, I do remember that. And why? Why did he bring well, that up? He always likes to bring real references. But here's the interesting. Here's the backstory on this. In 1987, Frost and Lynch were working on a movie about Marilyn Monroe and stuff like that. And so, uh. and, and it was based on um, this book called Goddess. Uh, based uh, by the secret lives, of, secret lives of Marilyn Monroe by Anthony Summer, and this this book, this book, see <laughs> this, uh, book? the book, book, this book, it, it kind of I think it basically said that the Kennedys killed Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Why? And then, I don't know. So but, that's why they're referencing but, it. Though. But yeah, and so Lynch and Lynch, Mark and Lynch, yeah. uh, sorry, Mark Frost and David Lynch were actually writing a script for the movie, and it never, it never came about. I, some people say the reason it didn't come about was because the studios were concerned about making a movie that would imply that the the Do Kennedys you, killed Marilyn. Well, Rowe. the Kennedys could have killed Marilyn Monroe to hide the fact that he was having an affair. Right, with and that's and that that's, that's a theory. That, right? That's the theory that's going yeah. by. So, so I, I think see this, that, this yeah. line. I mean, this line is funny because Cooper is just like, I just want to share with you, Diane, these things I think about all the time. And, yeah, but yeah. at the same time, I feel like they're referring to, hey, we were working on, uh, on a movie, and wouldn't it be fun to just mention that? Because I thought it was a throwaway line, right. but now, yeah, that makes and, sense. And since we're on the whole Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe thing, I'll bring up two more things about it. One thing, so we have a character, Norma Jennings. 
And Norma Jennings is, I think, based on Norma Jean. And Norma Jean is the real name of Marilyn Monroe. So really, yes. Wow. So Norma, okay. I, so I mean, she's nothing. Norma Jennings, the way uh, the the waitress. Yeah, she, I, owns she owns the she, diner. She owns the diner. She's nothing like Marilyn Monroe. No. I mean, she's a blonde, but I don't think there's anything else that would connect her. On the other hand, I look at Laura Palmer, and I think, boy, she could be a lot like Marilyn Monroe. She, they they both are fa- in a way famous blondes. Yeah, they, they did drugs. They were they kind of got partied. And they were both found dead naked and stuff. I mean, yep, that's yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a good reference. Yeah, and I mean, we don't really find out till later on about Laura's background. I, to this uh, point, I feel like to uh, me, no, 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 no. I think she's still did, innocent. I think, I think in the pilot, didn't in the pilot, we we had a, we had a diary and he opened it up and it's like, I think this is going to be test. If you test this, it'll be uh, cocaine. And Harry's oh. like, you don't know Laura Palmer. It's like then we'll both be surprised. I like forgot that. about the. Yeah, yeah, you're so, right. I mean, you're so right. there's some. I mean, there's they're some. Hinting at they're hinting it, yeah. at that that maybe. Maybe she's not the perfect angel. And yeah, stuff. she was not. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, so, well, going back to Audrey, um, I'm watching this. Now, she starts – there's a, a whole scene where the, these clients at the sawmill – and now these clients are buyers – to help the sawmill or to help the town because so, the town I feel like is running off this this sawmill is the major component for income for the town yeah I think, is that it I, so, so it this, runs the town like sort of so it's a it's a lumber town it's yep. a town that they make a lot of money off of the trees yeah what what I think I know. I don't know if I should get into too much, but I think Ben Horn is looking at re, uh, real estate. Yep. So he's he's interested in land around Twin Peaks, and and maybe get building his own country club or something like that. The so branch. He, okay. He, he's interested in making money. He doesn't care about the the. He doesn't care about the sawmill and stuff like that. He just cares about, about money. So he's getting investors in and to okay. yeah, and from other countries because they had these. Right, these um, um, Swedish, or they had like a different. They were in there, and Audrey comes in, and it's an odd scene because you don't know much about her, and then she starts acting out yeah. to drive away these people. Right, and I'm My like, why? I, I, <laughs> why is she driving them away? Right. And yeah, she's. I mean, she comes off as like, "Oh, my best friend was uh, was murdered and yeah, stuff." And yeah. I don't think. I I don't think that was her best friend. First of all, I don't <laughs> no, think that they were no. buddies or anything. But but yeah, I mean, I think she, I think she's just mischief. I think she yes. wants to cause trouble. I think she I think she doesn't get enough attention, and she just mm-hmm. wants to cause trouble and stuff. And later on, she becomes like a, 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 an investigator of her own. You right, know. and so uh, her first meeting with Cooper, I think, is is the Cooper's, flirtatious. Yes, very flirtatious. Yeah. and again, I kind of mentioned about that whole Hawaii shirt that Doctor Jacoby had, where it seems like innuendos. Where this whole first glance at Audrey, he says, uh, "As long as those melons are freshly squeezed." <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know. I'm sorry, but it's like it's, it seems. I mean, the way that they the way that they framed it and directed it and and yep. show, and showed her. I was a weird. And it's like. Uh, that seems sexual. It seems like uh, we're it, making a reference to Audrey or something. Yeah, and maybe. also Audrey. See, the show, the casting is weird because she's supposed to be a high school student, right? In, in my mind, I'm thinking they're all high school kids, yeah. and Bobby and these and James, they look like high school boys, right? But the females don't. They look older and they act older, and you they're almost, more experienced. And, yeah. yeah, you almost get to the point where you're almost thinking they're all the same age. Yeah. I'm like, 
you almost forget that Cooper and Audrey and all them. I am like you. I'm like, oh, they're all the same age. Oh wait, right. no, they're high school students. Yeah. And you have to remind yourself that because I forget. I almost because the actors look older than what right. they're playing. You, I totally you I forget. You, you forget. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there, there there seems to be some kind of chemistry between uh, Cooper and Audrey, and I think. I think she, yeah, she. I think she wants to help him because that she thinks that maybe that he would fall in love with her yep. if she can, if she can be some help and stuff. But yeah, and yeah, there is the chemistry there, which later on, um, you'll there'll be more with that. Um, so, in my notes, you know, why drive away the clients? Crazy question mark. But we know mental illness runs in her family, so there you go. Yeah. Uh, now I have a thing written up. I'm watching the show Cotton Balls. Why did I write Cotton Balls? You wrote Cotton Balls because that is um, Nadine. Um, I think Hurley, I believe. So that would be Big Ed. Big Ed's. Big Ed's. Big Ed's wife is into a silent drape runner. This okay. This <laughs> is where I'm watching the show and I'm going, okay, this is so out of left field and bizarre. So Big Ed runs the gas station. Now, we're, we're going to tell everybody, you watched episode one. Big Ed has the gas station. Not only is he married to Nadine, yep. but he's well, having... She has, a, she has a patch on the eye. Patch on the right, eye. Right. Patch on the eye. And she's crazy. And he's having an affair with Norma, right. who owns the diner. Yep. Now, Big Ed's a tall guy. Kind of reminds me of Burt Reynolds, minus mm. the mustache. Later on, he does have a mustache. He looks like Burt Reynolds. Um... Now, Nadine is this character that I feel like is just this ancillary, like, this throwaway character. You're like, now, why do you give us her? And her main purpose is that she's wacko. She wants to make drape runners. And you're introduced to her with just taking her drapes and going back and forth, rapid fire, and Big Ed going... testing him. Yeah, Big Ed's just going, Nadine, you okay? It's <laughs> like, these drape runners are too hard, and I'm like... like All right, yep. Yeah, and I'm like, I, I don't get it. Like, right. I, I'm like, this is bizarre. I mean, I think they're just supposed to have these these oddball characters yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. Which you, and, and you I think they will eventually, Yeah, and here's that scene that you are mentioning about the blood... Uh, Shelly and... and uh, oh, okay. So, so episode last episode we talked about we're jumping to Shelly and Leo. Right. Leo gives him his shirt that has blood on it and she, she realizes it has blood on it and hides it. And, uh, and yeah, yeah. And, and puts it in the washer. Right. And then and later on, hides it away right. from And then him. later on, she'll come. At, this is towards the end of the episode. She'll come back with her pie because he's, he's like, "Be a good girl and make sure you save me a piece of pie." And so she does. She's a good girl. And yep. I'm, I'm being sarcastic. I don't think of her as a girl. And you know, yep. but I mean, like she comes back and brings the pie, and he's got his uh, soap and a sock, and says, "You know, you lost another one of my shirts." And and that's where we were talking about where she gets in a corner and you see all this the plastic. plastic. Yeah, and he yeah this it, it's a little bit corny and unbelievable because he puts the soap bar in a sock and twirling it she falls down like dame, damsel in distress oh no and she's just laying on the ground and right. he's just like walking slowly absolutely snail's pace towards her and then jumping ahead next time you see her she just has bruises on her right I'm like my god 
She he really would have like left a lot of marks on her if he beat her with that soap. But right. she just had a little bruises here. Oh and there. man! Um, but but, but we were talking plastic, about that plastic. That yeah. was like, oh my god, it's Leo. The clues are really pointing to Leo. Um, but in this episode, you do run into the interrogation of James, um, and it was interesting because some of the clues, James, there's a videotape. And he has his motorcycle, and, in her in Laura and, Palmer's and eye. Laura Palmer's eye. Right. Cooper, you're almost going. Oh my God! Cooper is the most amazing detective of all time. Right. Because he he finds the the letter underneath the fingernail, which was like microscopic, yep. and he dug in there and got it. And then all of a sudden, he looks in an eyeball and he sees a reflection of a motorcycle, which we find out it, it was James's motorcycle, and that Laura Palmer. Was, was secretly with him, James. Right, right, right. But also, you find out was secret was what with the with uh, Flynn Boyle. Oh, they they make reference uh, that they were together too. Maybe, what? maybe I got the. You're saying, are you saying Donna and Laura were were a couple? I never got that, but that's interesting. I mean, that's no, because weird. it had them dancing. I know they were dancing, but I didn't ever. I think thought that they, they had a, a love. I mean, Donna's so innocent. But she's not. Uh, but, kind of cool. but you know, yeah, I, I, I got that impression that like James was hiding his love for Donna, but Donna and Laura were somewhat connected. That's that's too. pretty cool. That's, that's where cool. I got out of it. Yeah, I I mean, I always saw it as as Donna. They're best Donna friends. Lo- yeah, Donna loved him, but I think she always wanted to be Laura. But I don't think she realized who Laura is. But like, she's somebody that's coming like. Yeah, looked up to her and so yeah, that. and, and was, even that video. Sometimes you look at that video and you wonder: Are they high? I mean, do they do they seem a little like kind of like Lucy Goosey, but they have the cocaine. Yeah, I don't know. We have the love of and I kind of feel like Laura and Donna, they were in love too. But but I feel like didn't they say something that Donna, Donna. The three of them would hang out, but Donna was secretly like James, and James secretly like Donna. But Laura was that middle person. And she was the middle person for everybody. I mean, it's, yeah, it's she been really tied, was. tied the whole town. But together, I feel so. like Laura and Donna had something. They were in love with each other too. But also, um, later on, Laura says that she had a hard time keeping people from not liking her. Everybody seemed to like her. Yeah. Um, but we'll get into that later because that, that was and, and going back to that on. whole um, motorcycle in the in the eye of Laura Palmer. I really feel like the creators there are trying to say to us, we have to look pay strict attention to this show because there's Detail. clues, there's clues everywhere throughout the whole the whole show and stuff. And it, yeah, and, yeah. and I, I feel that. I mean, I, yeah. Well, as we go along, I feel like there's constantly clues that that we, if we pick up, it is true. Yeah. There is clues, and it really was like, wow. I'm like. Cooper is just like on ball. He's like, look at look at the eyeball. I don't like what. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, Lucy's like Lucy's, you know, Lucy's kind of hanging out in the hallway, and she's he- overhearing Bobby and Mike, and it's like, I got something to tell you. I think I know who who this person could be. Yeah. And, 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 and Cooper's like, we're looking for somebody who has a, who drives, you know, uh, motorcycle, uh, motorcycle, and stuff yeah. like that. And it's like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you know? Looks like a hog to me. Yeah. Um, and I guess. Well, we hit upon. Oh, so, oh, the R. Oh, I'm sorry. Like the I wrote down the R that they pulled out of the fingernail. 
looked like the R in the diner. Well, that's pretty cool. That's really neat. Like that's, the same font or something? Yes, but yes. That's pretty cool. And wow. Okay. That that could help me a little bit. I'm not going to jump ahead of myself, but I think something right now. But I'm not going to say. The R, I noticed that the R they pulled out of the fingernail was the same R font from the diner. Now, what was the name of the diner? The double R. The double R. Yep. And there was an R in the The funny thing is, it's like Norman Jennings uh, uh, owns this place. And, you know, Norma doesn't have an R in her name. Like, it's not like her name is... And the theme, the double theme. Yes, Double right. R. The duality again. The I mean, du- I, yep. I, I, constantly. I mean, we'll, I think in every episode we probably could. And this, this is where the duality is in this episode. But I think it, it constantly shows up. I wanted to mention that, um, f- you know, the pilot was like it cost about four million dollars to make. This point forward, each episode is a, a little less than a million dollars it costs to make an episode. I, I find that kind of interesting. Yeah, we're talking nineteen ninety, but it's it's something to see that like. But do you feel that's because now they have everything, so it's not going to cost well, as much? Right. I, I wish I, I wish I could find this information out. The funny thing is, you know, they they did location on Washington, but when they went to L.A., they had to make sets for everything. So you're talking about the the hotel had to have a set. Oh. Cooper's Cooper's bedroom had a uh, the the Palmer's house. They had to make sets for all this. So. I mean, I imagine there was a lot of money that had to go into that at first. To, to, and, so they didn't and, use the same sets. No, because I mean, because wow. they were, because it was Washington State was where they filmed originally, and then they moved to LA, LA. to do the rest of their stuff. And and I guess what they they tried to use as much wood as possible, like yeah. to make it look authentic and stuff, which I think is cool. I mean, a lot of times you won't use wood; you'll use other, uh, you know. Yeah, because it's kind of expensive. Yeah. Um. What else do I want to say? Um, so that was my clue for this one, the double R. I was pretty. I thought I'd share with you, like uh, one one of my favorite quotes from this episode is, um, "There was a fish in the percolator." That's another weird thing. <laughs> um, that's the husband of. So that's Pete Martell, and he's married to Catherine yeah. Martell, who own. Well, she yeah. owns. So, so I know I don't know if it's explained very clear. So it's, she it's very runs complicated. the sawmill with another guy. Uh, so that she's having an affair with. So here's how it is. Technically, Josie Packard owns the mill, but she was married to Andrew Packard, who is the brother of Catherine Martell. And Catherine Martell's husband is Pete Martell, who found Laura Palmer's body. Okay. Yeah. So if you, he, can, he's the crazy, and him and his wife are estranged. I mean, yeah, they're still yeah. married, but right. they're not really together. Right. They're kind of off doing their own things, and th- the love between them has kind of faded away. They're more like a partners. Right. You, you learn that later on. Um, you, you, you. They almost don't make it apparent that they're married. Yeah. Other right. than they're bickering, right? And you're like, oh, they're an old married couple yeah. because they're just bickering with each other. And later on, they have a good, like, it takes a while, but they have a good conversation that really right. spells it out for you. But in the beginning, I was very confused. Is he the groundskeeper? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. And why is there a fish in the percolator? So I so, didn't get that. So at first, I want to give you the origins, I think, of how the how the story may have come about. Okay. So Dwayne Dunham, the, the director and editor of the pilot yeah. had told David Lynch about the story that one of his kids had put a raw hot dog in his uh, coffee ther- thermos. Oh. So, <laughs> With the coffee so, in there or just the raw hot dog? No, so there was coffee in there and, <laughs> and a raw somehow hot dog. the kid put a hot dog in there and he's drinking it. 
And he's like, this coffee doesn't taste right. <laughs> and he opens it up and realizes there was a raw hot dog in it. And he shares this story with Lynch. And, it, it, you know, sometime later, it, they, we have this fish story <laughs> w- uh, in the percolator. I really do think, I don't think it's ever spelled out, but I really think it was uh, Josie who did that. I don't know. She, what about she, her brother? She doesn't have a brother. Josie no. Back, oh, uh, I'm thinking of the no. Asian so, lady. Jo- right, so Hong okay. Kong, uh, Josie. So she. That's she where I got confused right, with she, her name. She sometimes okay. gets confused with customs, and 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 she, yeah, she doesn't always know what to do, and so mm-hmm. it, she might have accidentally put the fish in the percolator. In percolator. But that's so odd. It is very odd. But see, for the longest time, not to confuse listeners or myself yet again, I thought Josie was Aubrey, Audrey, Audrey, okay, and Audrey was. Josie. Oh, so I actually had to go back on my notes and change oh, the names, man. not to confuse myself. But now I know. Yeah, so she, she no, okay, so Josie owns the sawmill. Yes. She's part owner of the sawmill. Yeah. Because so, I kind of feel like... Um, I think she owns it, but then I've, I I want to say that um, Catherine Martell would be the manager. Yep. Because the interesting thing, I, this is such a cool thing. she's having an so, affair with who? Ben Horn. Ben uh, Horn. Catherine Martell is having the affair with Ben, ben Horn. Horn. Okay. Right. So, you know, in the pilot, um, Josie Packard decides to close down the mill because um, – uh, uh, don't lose it. Uh, Ron, Ronette Pulaski's dad works at the sawmill. So he was he, he was notified that they found his daughter and she's in the hospital. Yes. And so that the police take her away and Josie closes – shuts down the mill. Yep. And – Catherine Martell is fed furious. Like, how dare you do this? Da, da, da. And <laughs> she walks away and she sees this guy and is like, what's your name? And he gives his name. He's like, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> like, he didn't do anything. Yeah, he yeah. didn't do anything wrong. He's just like, I'm mad and I'm just going to fire you. And, stuff like that. and it's like, as a manager, she can do that. She can fire people, but she does. You know, her brother owned the 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 owned the mill, and because you know her, her uh, he died, it now goes to Josie Packard. Okay, so that makes sense. So with Horn, he is the person who's getting all the clients. So they're not they're technically. So I'm I'm trying to figure out where we are in here. No, but I mean, I'm just in in the umbrella of the show. So Ben ha- Ben Ben Horn ben is, has nothing. Ben should be having nothing to do with with the Packard. Mill. But he's always in the sawmill. But when he's getting, oh, no, climb- you're, talking about Pete, you're talking about Pete Martell. Pete Martell. I'm so sorry. he might be he might be a manager too, or he might have some other role. That because he he's always he's bringing the guys, he's but. bringing in clients and he's having the affair. With... Oh, you're confusing me now. Are we talking about Ben Horn, who's Audrey's dad, and yes. he's having the affair? He's with... having the affair. Right. But he's always with clients. He's ha- So his clients is he wants land. He, he's he, not part of the sawmill, then. He's not part of the sawmill. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't know if we're at the point yet, but let's say that, that he would be happy if there was no sawmill. Yeah. He, he would be happy if there was more land to build, build stuff on. Yes. But you know what? In retrospect, it makes no sense because the sawmill makes the wood to make things. So yeah. wouldn't they want the sawmill, or are they going to get wood from out of town? Well, I mean, Ben, ben, <laughs> ben Horn cares about property. He owns he owns Horn, Pro, Horn Department Store. He owns the hotel. I don't know if he... And he's in cahoots with the woman, the manager of the sawmill. And he's in cahoots physically, and they're kind of planning something. I don't yeah. think they... We, we've established what they're planning yet, but they are planning something. Right. They're like a... They're freaking frack. You know, they're like... Um. So, 
See, that's a lot yeah. to learn with all those yeah. characters right there. I, I'm going back. I had some other notes that it was interesting that um, at the beginning of the episode that they're working on the on the. Uh, we were talking about the set before. They they actually were had some guys welding in. in in the police station. And the reason they were doing that really is because they couldn't actually make exactly the police station look the same as the police station in Washington State. So yeah, yeah. it's kind of fun to see sometimes how they, they will try to to you know change it up so that it, it feels like it's continued. The rooms in the police station are very plain, like the investigation room. Oh, yeah. Very, um, yeah. very yeah. plain sets. Nothing on the wall. Yeah, and that's how David Lynch likes things. He likes – he's very minimalist, minimalistic. Yeah. Minimalistic. Like he, he would prefer – when they were shooting in the school in the pilot um, – he he would t- he would tell Frank Silva say get rid of stuff on the wall and and he's like this is a this is an actual school he's like I don't <laughs> care we'll, we'll, we'll pay for it just get everything off the wall I, I want almost nothing on there so he was he's he's always been kind of like less is more and I can see that I, yep. I can see how you don't want to be cluttered and you want your eyes distracted by other yeah, things and, yeah I agree with that um let's see here. What else do I have? Other, I have stuff at the end to talk about. Yeah, me too. Um, the end of the episode. Well, I guess if we wanted to get into, um, well, Ben Horn does talk. I think he does talk about a fire. So he does. He in this when he's in, in the hotel with um, Catherine. Uh, Catherine, he does kind of say. You know, maybe we should start a fire. Fire, and that's that. kind of the premise of the rest of the season of with yeah. those two. Um, and you learn that they're having an affair, and I don't know what her motivation is. Maybe her motivation is like, it's like the I don't, insurance I don't, money, right? And the insurance money, but maybe she feels like I don't really own this. This is supposed to be a family business, the Packard Mill, and Josie's taking it from me. So maybe I'll just burn it down and get the money for it because I don't want. I, I, they definitely don't have a close relationship. I don't think she likes Josie Packard. Yeah, so and I think, you don't know much about Josie. No, we don't know. And you I, yeah. you learn more about right. her later on, but, but right now she just seems kind of like right. there. She's we know that we out. know that Laura Palmer taught her was teaching her English, and mm-hmm. we know that yeah, yeah. We don't know much. Laura just did a lot of things. You just learned she was she an did, amazing she person. Was, she was an amazing person. She, she just did, did everything. Right. Um, also, you go back to the parents, and um, I think this is the episode where. Where Laura's mom has the vision of 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 um, a guy, right? I'm trying to remember. I think so. I mean, I, she's about to have a vision of Laura. So, she, so Don is going to come and see her and see, you know, like you know, want to see how she's doing. And and her Donna's face becomes Laura's face, and she and she yep. starts to freak out. And I can't. I think you're right. These visions I, I become think, stronger. I think. I think after you're right. Maybe after she sees her, her daughter's face, she might see. Yeah, because Bob. Um, she sees she sees Bob, which we learn about later on. But th- the episode ends with her having well around the time of this man behind the bed, yeah. and you were telling us the last episode about how Frank there Frank but... was the guy in the mirror, and they decided to put him in the show. Right, and 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 so it was between the mirror. But I really think David Lynch heard somebody saying, "Don't get locked in this room," and he kind of thinks, "Like, wouldn't that be something if Frank was was kneeling behind a bed and kind of looking at?" It? It's like, wouldn't that be creepy? Because it Frank, was creepy, uh, but yeah. why? How? Like this he, vision, like it, it's not a dream; it's a vision she's having. But why would she have this vision? I mean, right? It's we weird. We, it's very weird. I mean, here she's about. What? Well, can we bring the volume up? Yeah, we can. Yeah, yeah. So she's seeing, <laughs> Bob. seeing Bob behind a bed. And I love how, I love how uh, Leland says to Donna, "It's like, 
I forgot how he says it, but this is like, don't get her rattled up or anything. You know, like, yeah. come, come and see her. <laughs> and like, well, sure enough, sure enough, she gets rattled up. But you're like, yeah, we're, we're, we're left no, not knowing anything, at least for this episode, what the purpose of that or what, what that is all about yeah, and stuff. Yeah, and, and it's, it's, like, it's weird because it's a vision she's only having, and it's not a dream or a vision of that something happened. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a vision she's having about this guy behind the bed. And it's just so weird. It's creepy. It's it just is really creepy. creepy. And I think, I mean, I think that's part of the mystery. And it, we're, we're left wanting more yeah. and seeing what the next episode will bring and stuff. But, yeah. And this also introduces us to the the heart locket. And you you learn that the heart locket was given to the doctor. Which we met in the oh, last yes, episode. Oh, yes, yes, right, right. Well, well, so, yeah, we ended the last episode with with uh, Sarah, Sarah Palmer having waking up from another vision and screaming. And it's a hand going into the dirt and picking up the, the locket. And this was the, yeah. the Donna and James had buried. Donna and James had buried it because I think James was worried that somehow he, he would be considered the murderer because so they he had the, the locket. Act, actually, so they hit it, and we all we saw was the hand take it up. Yep. And at the end of this episode, we see Jacoby, that uh, he has... He has his headphones. He's going to listen to another tape. Laura Palmer made tapes because he's his psychologist. Yep. And she's he's listening, and he, he opens up a coconut, and inside that coconut is, is the other half of the of the heart. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's a doctor. <laughs> it's not Leo now. And I'm really going, I don't know what to think anymore. Oh, but, yeah, like. And so I, I have I have some uh, what I call the unseen Twin Peaks. Um, this is from the script. that, And when I talk about this, this is not – of course, this isn't canon. This is the idea is the, the creators had these ideas, or the writer had an idea about what he wanted to do, or he, she did, and stuff. Yeah. And then they did, for whatever reason, whether it wasn't enough time on the show, or they decided mm-hmm. to go a different route. But, but so this isn't canon. But it's interesting that the original script of this episode had Jacoby listening to Laura's tapes, and here's the dialogue from Laura. So it's a different dialogue than we see in the episode, and this is okay. Laura saying. So I'm speaking as Laura. <laughs> You're gonna do a Laura voice? I, I don't think I can do a do a Laura, Laura voice. voice. Hi, hi. All right, don't do a Laura voice. Just do it as Ben voice. All right. First, you're always bugging me to tell you what what my dreams are. Let me tell you about this one I had last night. It's a doozy. I was in this strange room, and there was this little man and this other old man I've never seen before either, but they both seemed to know me. There was music, and I was telling all my secrets to the older man. And then Jacoby puts his his headphones on. And in the script, there's no talk about the necklace and stuff like that. But I don't want to get really into it. That would have been weird if they... Was no was me knowing what I know? Well, you know, but, and you know. But that. we'll talk about that later. But like, but, yeah, that would have been. She has this dream that, uh, yeah, that would have really put a spin on it. What right. was the original dialogue? Do you know? Well, it wasn't that. That wasn't. So what, this is the dialogue that was. Oh, you mean what is the dialogue in in the, in the show? show. Now? Um, in the show now, it was. She talked. I think she talks about a mystery man. But exactly, trying, but so she. It's, it wasn't like that. Yeah, so there was no talk about a dream. There was just something like, "Hey, what's up, Doc?" Um, yep. Um, and she just had she just said, "Hey, it's Laura." Again. Yeah, it was something like, light something and fluffy. Goofy, like, yeah, fluffy like that. and I think she ended with "It's a mystery man." And, and Reyes, we're hearing about the mystery man. Uh, he puts on his headphones and, and yeah. takes out the lock. But yeah, but you wonder what the, the maybe they took this out because they realized. What was to come was more powerful to see it first than to actually say that there could be a link to what's coming. Yeah, I mean, like, and I feel like there might have been a hole they would have a hard time digging out of because if Laura had a vision prior to her death, yeah, 
And well, this is a dream, but I guess it could still be a vision. But it, it, it's, it's a dream. dream. Yeah. And then later on, you see that dream from someone else. Right. Ah, what you know? That's I, just this, crazy. This is, so this is. I mean. They're, they're yeah. going to use this again, and I think it'll be interesting to. We, we'll have to make a note of this and remember to come back to this yes. later now. Yes. I mean, I'm, yeah, this is something that's that interesting. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, it would have been cool if they used if they did use that. It, I mean, because she's dead, right? And weird things happen. Yep. So I guess they could have figured it out, but maybe, yeah, seeing it is more powerful than just hearing that. But if you heard that first and you and you didn't think anything of it. And then you saw it when you're watching this. Right. And most people would have heard that and thought nothing of it. Right. And then when you saw it, you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, 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 yeah. You think that would have been – do you think it would have been I, more powerful well, yeah, to I, hear that and then see it as a viewer who's watching it week to week? I mean, so I don't know. We don't want to get into it too much, but – no, talking, but talking to you when you when you saw some of this stuff, I feel like that's when you really sold you on Twin Peaks, didn't it? I mean, is is this stuff was kind of like, wow, this is not your ordinary show, exactly. And I think so. I do think that the visual and, yeah. and that experience, I do think they went the right direction and saying, okay, let's wait and let, let's show it to them, and then we can find ways to link things together as the series goes on. Yep. I mean, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, for me, you know, I'm watching this week to week, so. Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll get into it. I don't want to like get ahead of myself or anything, but I mean, other, than, I mean, this episode. Oh, also, you get to meet Bob, Bobby, Bobby. And now, did we talk about Bobby at all? Well, we mentioned that he he, he was dating Shelly and he's dating Laura, and he's a suspect. Yeah, he was a suspect along with James, and they were a, they were put in a holding cell, but nothing came out of it because they had no proof. But you get to meet Bobby's dad. Yeah, yeah, Major Briggs. Major Briggs. Who is a uh, he's also uh, uh he's also Scully's dad in X-Files. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So but yeah, and he's an interesting game. So here's here's a a major military guy very um by the book and very yeah, and 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 you see him trying to deal with his son at at Who's this just yeah. crazy. Yeah, he's a rebel. He's a rebel. He's a he's a teenager. I yeah. Guess. He's a you know, trying to feel his oats as a teenager and his dad, yeah, and still manners, right? And and his and his son's just crazy. Do you want to bring up some audio? We got yeah, a second yeah, on? yeah. So this is a scene between Bobby and Our his dad. Our clouded and tempestuous existence. Robert, you and I are going to work to make yours real clear. Oh, so we already missed the point where. Uh, he already smacked him and and got he started to light a cigarette while well, his dad is saying he's like I'm gonna be very patient with you and I understand that you're going through some issues and and then Bobby takes out a cigarette and tries to start lighting it and that's when he, you know uh, his dad smacks him and I, I think it's meatloaf I think yes and the cigarette goes in the mom's meatloaf yes and it's funny how the cigarette just lands perfectly into the meatloaf yeah and they showed they just showed the R and R. Uh, diner and that font is the R that they found in. Isn't that something? In I never, th- I never realized that. I never picked yes. that up. That was I, a good one. I picked you? that up. I wow. picked that up. See, because I know ahead of time, I gotta right. keep my eyes. You, you've got fresh, fresh eyes. I mean, I've been yes. watching this for twenty five years. I need somebody like you to <laughs> have fresh eyes to see these type of things. That are and it helps have a Blu Ray, right? I mean, Blu-ray yes. Is like, oh. it looks so good. And I love oh, the log lady. The log lady. Um, Makes an appearance in the diner, but also the whole coffee thing, everything with cotton pie becomes a running right. thing. Oh, yeah. Coffee and pie. 
I think he asked for uh, two, 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 he wants two pieces of pie instead of it. No, he's eating a piece of pie and he says yes. two more pies. Two, two more pies. <laughs> two pieces of pie. And you also, um, they have the coffee becomes more apparent, like coffee and everything. Oh, it's, yeah. it's great. I love it. And you watch the blue. I mean, you watch some of those Blu-ray uh, discs and the. Uh, the chapter or the the, cha- the, the, the yeah oh god the, the, the looping yes the, <laughs> the second disc of of twin peaks is just everybody yelling about pie and pie. it has david lynch going pie oh it, bring me some water my feet are on fire or something like that oh, yeah. I don't know, like, uh, and then pie. we we knew god pie. damn that's good pie that's good pie oh it's so good um the absurdity is what i've i fell in love with i think well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I don't want to get ahead of myself. This is episode one. I think we leave episode one thinking the killer could be um, Jacoby, Doctor Jacoby. Doctor right? Jacoby. He's got, he's got, got the, the locket. We see locket, a locket right. with a hand, right. but also there's a mystery man. Right. So let's go with it. Mike. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mike. Um, the one-armed man. Are we talking about? No. Well, Mike. Oh no. I'm sorry. That's, so it's, there's we two. We haven't there's gotten two. to Bob, right. Bob we, we, yet. But we've got we've got multiple Mikes and we've got multiple Bobbies. Yeah. And so, but you know, mentioning Doctor Jacoby, you know what's really odd too in the pilot. Um, there, Cooper and Harry, uh, Sheriff Harry Truman, are going to the morgue, and they yep. run into uh, Doctor Jacoby. Doctor Jacoby's, can I go with you? And it's like, uh, no. Yep. It's like, I mean, they're kind of like that doesn't seem right. Like this is a perfect. You know, yeah, we're, we're, yeah. It, but I mean, just to go down that road of like, if if it could be him, it was interesting to see uh, Jacoby so, kind of be like, I wouldn't mind coming along to see a dead body. It's like that doesn't seem appropriate. And, but also, it's like you were. You were with Laura, right? You well. He says that he was secretly, uh, he was secretly his psychologist, uh, psychologist, right? So, so why would you want to see her dead, right? But it also makes him a suspect to me that that like you, 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 you yeah, or just weird, a, just, just a weird or maybe guy. weird. That's right. Also, do you think that what do they introduce him being the psychologist? Yeah, they. He's right away. He says it right away. He says, uh, yeah. uh, uh, her parents didn't. Does he know, know it's but, that body though? Did, Oh yeah, do they save her? Oh, I mean, I, by now the whole town knows. The whole town knew before. No, Cooper but I mean, do came. they know what body they're seeing? Oh yeah, I so mean, that's going, so weird yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah, Why are we like? I want to go see my per, the person I was helping right. body. That's weird. Maybe if he was a killer, he could be like making sure there's no evidence that right. would, that I mean, would but, point yeah, to him. Yeah, it's like, like it's just yeah, it's just weird. But it's just because you Hawaiian brought up the... lady or something <laughs> like what? He was upset. He's obsessed with like being on the beach and yes, Hawaii. Yes, he is right. And because even in the end, at the end of this episode, he, uh, I think he's got he's got another Hawaiian type shirt. I think and he's, yes. I think his music is the so, music. Yeah. He's got. The straw, the umbrella, which right, comes into play later, yeah. later on. Um, and, yes, he's all decked out. He's, like, on permanent vacation, this guy. He's on vacation all the time. Too funny. Well, I think that's probably a good place to end it for tonight. Is, yeah, I have... mean, I think we covered it all. I mean, other than that, you're just kind of introducing into the characters and learning more. But you, we end this thinking, could it be the doc? Um, also, could it be Leo still? Yeah, because Leo is just a total bastard to his what his wife. Oh man, he is. He's a jerk. Oh yeah, I mean, you... no, anybody who, who takes put soap in a, in a sock, sock and then <laughs> beats somebody, it's pretty uh, horrific. And leaves barely any bruises on oh, her. She man. just had like a couple bruises, and she was just fine. Maybe it was all below, you know. Maybe, maybe. But, yeah. Her like, yeah, he was a real. He leaves her face alone. You know? Yeah. Oh, oh we, we should play here. 
This is the no it. Remember me telling you about that mystery man? Well. So that was the tape we were talking about, the mystery man. So I, that I, script was changed. I always like want to give more dialogue because I know I mean, cause this will come up again. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't say what, what happens next. But yeah. And he sees a lot. And this is my favorite music. This is the love. Every time there's a love sequence in the oh, show, yeah. this music. And now some people wonder, is is he crying or is he laughing? I mean, some people have wondered if he, if he might be laughing the way he. He looks like he's crying to me. I think he's crying, That's too. That's crying. But sometimes he, like. Sometimes people, for some reason, thought, I agree, he's crying, but... He's crying. Or it could have started off as a cry turned into laugh, laughing. Yeah. Um, that was definitely crying. And, yeah, so I think that's a good place to end this. I mean, um, next week, we will dive into episode two. Um, and, and, and I can just say this is probably my favorite episode of first season. This is... Yeah. Yeah, this is a big one. I mean, the, yeah, not... Yes. A, yeah. Uh, um... Honestly, that episode two is, for me, where I'm on board. Um, but I don't want to get – I don't want to talk about it until next week. So we're going to leave you with Diane's tapes. Of course, we have Diane's tapes. Yep, done, uh, uh, written by uh, Scott Frost, Mark Frost's brother, and uh, uh, voice by Kyle McLaughlin. Here we go. So we'll see you next week. Diane, tomorrow I'll take Harry and the gang on a rock-throwing trip to Tibet. But first, another piece of this heavenly pie.